Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Paul once told the church in Thessalonica, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. Paul wanted the people of Thessalonica to be confident in their faith, to be informed, and to not have fear. But this is hard. Because we fear what we do not know. And with this viral pandemic, there is a lot that we just don't know. The information changes very rapidly. Our healthcare professionals, scientists, government officials, local officials, and everyone else in our world are doing their best to learn, communicate, and protect. As Christians, we trust these people to do their best. It is their God-given duty to protect us as best they can and to serve us and our families. But they too are still learning. They are still chasing after this pandemic, trying to get in front of it so that they can stop it. And we pray that they are successful. But until it is stopped, we have much uncertainty. Yet, then again, we as Christians, as God's people, thrive in uncertainty. While the world freaks out and buys out every piece of toilet paper, canned food, and sanitizer, we continue to be calm, be prepared, and to do our part. We can do this because we're not afraid. I've said it often that the opposite of love is not hate. It is what? Fear. Fear causes us to do all kinds of selfish, self-serving, mean, and rude things. Fear causes us to knock down the other person reaching for that last can of powdered milk. To buy more than I need so that I might have it and no one else will. Fear turns us in upon ourselves. Self-preservation. And everyone else be damned. But love. Love does the opposite. Love turns our hearts toward others. There is some amount of fear, even in love, I suppose. But it isn't a fear for self. It is a fear for the well-being, care, and safety of others. If I fear for your safety, and want to do what I can to make sure you are safe, my friends, that is love. If I fear God and want to do His will and care for His people, that is love. But if I turn against others because I'm afraid for myself, that is not love. That is fear. Just fear. Jesus today shows us what love looks like. He's pretty good at that. He, a Jewish man, meets with a Samaritan woman. As our text says, and I probably don't need to reiterate, but I will, that's a big no-no. Jews don't meet with Samaritans, and men don't meet with women. Especially rabbis. 
I mean, imagine what the newspaper would say if they got a hold of that story. His ministry would be ruined. He would be the headline on all the major news outlets. Scandal! But Jesus isn't afraid. Instead, He is humble. He loves that woman. Not a romantic love, but a love of neighbor. He is concerned for her and for her well-being. He knows that things are hard for her. After all, here she is, coming to the well at the sixth hour, at noon time. No one does that. Unless, like Jesus, they're just plain thirsty. But she's coming to gather water. Water is typically gathered in the mornings, in the cool of the day, so that the women can get their daily chores and tasks done. The cooking, the cleaning, the washing, the whatever they need to do. But this woman comes at noon. Probably because of her fear of the others. Her reputation, as we know, is not that great. She fears hearing what others would say about her. After all, we will find out that she had had five husbands and that she's currently shacking up with a guy that's not her husband. She's used to being in the newspaper and on the lips of every gossiper who meets at the well in the morning. So she comes to the well at noon because of fear. She comes to the well because... Jesus comes to the well because he is weary. He has pushed his mortal body and it must rest. I don't know about you, but I know many people like that. The older we get, the more we need to get done, and then the quicker our bodies need rest. Did I hear an amen? Amen. (laughs) We just can't do what we used to. We're limited. Jesus, too, is limited. His physical body is tired. Jesus knows what you're going through. So he sits by this historic well and rests while his disciples run over to McDonald's to grab something quick to eat. When the woman comes to the well, he asks her for a drink. She knows he shouldn't be talking to her. How is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. She knows the no, no. Is the woman fearful? Or is she, try, is she just trying to protect herself? Or is she out of love towards Jesus? He's trying, she's trying to warn him. You probably don't want to be hanging out with me. We don't know for sure. But what we do know is that Jesus loves her. For he says to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Of course, she doesn't understand what he is talking about. So he explains to her that he is that living water. Living water is water that is moving, in case you didn't know. It bubbles. It moves. Stagnant water is water that accumulates disease. 
living water is often considered cleaner because it's moving. Of course, she doesn't understand all of this either. And probably thinks Jesus is being a bit prideful. The water in this well that our forefather Jacob had dug, that he had drank from, and his livestock and his sons, this well is not good enough for this Jewish rabbi? Really? The nerve of the guy. But he then tells her that if she drinks of the living water, she will never be thirsty again. I don't know if you noticed in the text, but she obviously thinks this is a good deal. If she can get that water, she won't have to sneak out in the heat of the day and get her own water anymore. She won't have to start her chores so late in the day. She won't have to worry about bumping into the gossipers on the way. She can just do her own thing. Yeah, she wants to cover her fear. She wants to eliminate it by not addressing the true root of her problem. But not Jesus. He gets right to it. Go, call your husband and come here. To which she replies, I have no husband. And then Jesus says to her, You're right in saying you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman is amazed, isn't she? Jesus explains to her about true worship. That it isn't in this place or that place, but in spirit and in truth. Worship is in the heart. It is the heart, the deepest insides of a person, where the Holy Spirit comes and cleanses with the living water of baptism. It is in there that faith is planted and love begins to grow. And St. John tells us in his first epistle, we love because he first loved us. Notice where the love starts. We love because he first loved us. Then Jesus tells this woman that he is the Messiah, the promised one. The woman leaves and goes and begins to tell people about Jesus. Notice, she isn't afraid anymore. She's not afraid of what the people will say. She isn't afraid of what they might do. She isn't afraid of how she will be treated. She isn't afraid. Come, see a man who told me all that I have ever done. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. My friends, this is why we are here. We are not afraid. We know that no matter what happens in this world, whether it be war, whether it be terrorism, whether it be COVID-19, a tornado, or whatever, we do not fear as the world fears who has no hope. Instead, we know where our hope lies. Our hope lies in Jesus. Someday we will be faced with our end here. 
whether it be from this virus or an accident on the roadway going to pick up more toilet paper. We will be faced with the reality that this life is temporary. But what Jesus offers us is eternal. If we begin to live that eternity right now, knowing that if our weary bodies must stop and rest and be put in the ground in a grave, that that is not the end. We are still alive. Our spirits will be in the presence of the living water Himself, and we will drink even more deeply of His love for us. And one day, that spirit and that body will be reunited. And we will live in a world without war, without viruses, without sniffles and sneezes, without pain, without hurt, without hate, without fear. But for now, we do the same thing as that Samaritan woman. We go into the town and we tell them we're not afraid. We tell them that our hope is everlasting. If the government fails to stop this thing, so be it. I'll see you later on the other side. We also show the world the love of Christ. Just because we're not afraid does not mean we don't play it safe. We are not in the business of testing God. Luther tells us in the small catechism under the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. We are our brother's keeper. We are here to protect one another. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. Let them have that last can of green beans. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be given to you as well. It's time to live our faith. This is the perfect time to live our faith. Do we truly believe what we say we believe? Then live it out. Do we really trust God? Then show it. Do we really love our neighbor? Then do it. Amen. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.